so often throughout the course of history, patriots rise up at a time of need for truth and freedom. These people are called disciples of liberty for their undying love of freedom. The call has been sounded. Will you answer that call or sit back and let freedom die away? Unifying patriots everywhere against the evil trying to destroy America's freedom. You're listening to the Disciples of Liberty radio show on the America Out Loud Network. Now here's your host, Tim Alders. All right, welcome back, Disciples of Liberty. Hope you're having a fantastic day today. Vladimir Putin asked the question so many Americans should. He posed the question in media recently that why, when America has overtly or covertly overthrown so many governments, why has it taken so many Americans and put them in in jail because of civil disobedience in their own elected house on January 6th. Now, this is a valid question, and it's a question I've posed throughout the year, is what would America do if we really wanted to separate into Republicans and Democrats? Because the divorce is coming, folks. We have so much hatred in this nation so much vitriol towards um, each other that we can no longer live together. And the Democrats are trying to crush conservative Christians, um, anybody who believes in the Constitution, anybody who believes in freedom, they want to destroy. You are an enemy. But throughout the years, the United States has worked against so many nations when their people supposedly wanted to rise up against their governments. The United States has funded, trained, armed, and militarized nation after nation to overthrow. Now, one of my favorite, favorite plays, and this reminds me of the January 6th, but January 6th was nonviolent, and it comes from Les Mis., And it's uh, the song of angry men. And and this is historically where we're at in America today. And you have to decide if you're going to rise up or sit back and accept the slave collars to your neck. People who refuses to be slaves again, folks. Is that you or are you willing to just kneel down, 
bow your head and accept the slave collar that the Democrats and liberals and progressives like Mitt Romney want to put on your neck. Let's look at what America has done throughout the history of our nation. In the 1980s, the U.S. worked with Pakistan and Saudi Arabia to overthrow Afghanistan's socialist government. It funded, trained, and armed forces led by conservative tribal leaders whose power was threatened by their country's pro, uh, progressive education, women's right, and land reform. When Mikhail Gorbachev withdrew his forces in 1989, these U.S.-backed warlords tore the country apart, boosted opium production to unprecedented levels of 2,000 to 3,400 tons per year. The Taliban government cut opium production by 95% in two years between 99 and 2001. But the U.S. invasion in 2001 restored the warlords and drug lords to power. Afghanistan now ranks 175th out of 177 countries in the world for corruption. Um, 175 out of 186 in human development. And since 2004, it has produced an unprecedented 5,300 tons of opium per year. One of um, President Karzai's brothers was a well-known as a CIA-backed drug lord. After a major U.S. offensive in Kandahar province in 2011, he was appointed provincial police chief, boosting a heroin smuggling operation that already earned him $60 million per year in one of the poorest countries in the world. The United States was responsible for putting drug lords in charge of a government. Between 1949 and 53, the U.S. and the U.K. set out to overthrow the government of Albania, the smallest and most vulnerable communist country in Eastern Europe. Exiles were recruited, trained, to return to Albania to stir up dissent and plan an armed uprising. Does this sound like BLM to any of you? Many of the exiles involved in the plan were former collaborators with the Italian and German occupation during World War II. They included former Interior Minister Xavier Diva, who oversaw the deportation of Jews, communist partisans, and suspicious persons, as described in released Nazi documents to Auschwitz. Declassified U.S. documents have revealed that Diva was one of 743 war criminals recruited by the United States after the war. Wow! That's our government, folk. That's our government that has locked up over 400 people for showing up at the Capitol and for having the FBI and BLM infiltrate and start the so-called riots that they claim. Argentina. In documents declassified in 2003, detailed conversations between U.S. Secretary of State Henry Kissinger and Argentinian Foreign Minister Admiral Guzzetti in October 1976, soon after the military seized power in Argentina, Kissinger explicitly approved the Junta's dirty war, in which it eventually killed up to 30,000, most of them young people, stole 400 children from the families of their murdered parents. Kissinger told Guzzetti, Look, our basic attitude is that we would like you to succeed. The quicker you succeed, the better. The U.S. ambassador to Buenos Aires reported that Guzzetti returned in a state of jubilation, convinced that there is no real problem with the U.S. government over the issue. Brazil. 
1964, General uh, Castello Branco led a coup that sparked 20 years of brutal military dictatorship. U.S. military attache Vernon Walters, later the deputy CIA director and U.N. ambassador, knew Bank Branco well from World War II in Italy. As a clandestine CIA officer, Walters records from Brazil has never been declassified, but the CIA provided all the support needed to ensure the success of the coup, including funding for opposition labor and student groups in street protests, as in Ukraine and Venezuela today. The U.S. Marine Amphibious Force on standby to land in San Paulo was not needed. Like other victims of U.S.-backed coup in Latin America, the elected president, Joao Galbart, was a wealthy landowner, not a communist. But his efforts to remain neutral in the Cold War were unacceptable to Washington and the refusal to hand the Ukraine over to the West 50 years later. So there's a lot of commonality between what our government is doing throughout the world and what they have accused Russia or China of doing. We had Cambodia when Nixon ordered the secret and illegal bombing of Cambodia in 1969. American pilots were ordered to falsify their logs to conceal their crimes. They killed at least a half a million Cambodians, dropping more bombs than on Germany and Japan combined in World War II. The CIA reported that its propaganda has been most effective among refugees subjected to B-52 strikes. This is just a small sampling of what the United States government has done and what Putin has called them out. You know, why when our government has so readily overthrown duly elected officials in other countries, started revolutions in countries. Why was it so opposed to the peaceable marches on January 6th? Well, it's a threat to the world order, to their power. It continued on in Chile when Salvador Allende became president in 1970. Nixon promised to make the economy scream in Chile. The U.S., Chile's largest trading partner, cut off trade to cause shortages and economic chaos. The CIA and State Department had conducted sophisticated propaganda operations in Chile for a decade, funding conservative politician parties, unions, student groups, and all forms of the media, while expanding ties with the military. Is this resonating with you yet? We are using, in this nation, media to destroy liberty. We're using student groups on college campuses. We're using parties like the BLM and Antifa. We look at this and we go to countries that we complain about. Colombia, U.S. Special Forces and Drug Enforcement Administrations aided Colombian forces to track down and kill drug lord Pablo Escobar. Then they worked with a vigilante group called Los Pepes. In 1997, um, the Los Pepes leaders co-founded the AUC, United Self-Defense Forces of Colombia, which was responsible for 75% of violent civilian deaths in Colombia over the next 10 years. In Cuba, 
The United States supported the Batista dictatorship as it created the repressive conditions that led to the Cuban Revolution, killing 20,000 of its own people. Former U.S. Ambassador Earl Smith testified to Congress that the U.S. was so overwhelmingly influential in Cuba that the American ambassador was the second most important man, sometimes even more important than the Cuban president himself. After the revolution, the CIA launched a long campaign of terrorism against Cuba, training Cuban exiles in Florida, Central America, and the Dominican Republic to commit assassinations and sabotage in Cuba. CIA-backed operations against Cuba included the attempted invasion on the Bay of Pigs, in which 100 Cuban exiles and four Americans were killed, several attempted assassinations of the Castro uh, administration, and successful assassinations of other officials. Bombing raids in the 1960s, three Americans killed and two captured, and terrorist bombings targeted tourists as recently as 1997. We look at this, and we have to ask why. And then you look at what the Republican President Bush did. He pardoned Orlando Bosch. Uh, they were the people responsible for the terrorist bombings that targeted tourists um, and the French ship in Havana Harbor, at least 75 killed, a biological swine flu attack that killed half a million pigs, and the terrorist bombing of a Cuban airliner, 78 killed, planned by Louis um, Carellis and Orlando Bush, who now are free in America, pardoned by our first President Bush. El Salvador. The civil war that swept El Salvador in the 80s was a popular uprising against the government that ruled with utmost brutality. At least 70,000 people were killed and thousands more were disappeared. The UN Truth Commission set up after the war found that 95% of the dead were killed by government forces and death squads and only 5% by the guerrillas. The government's Forces responsible for this one-sided slaughter were almost entirely established, trained, armed, and supervised by the CIA and U.S. Special Forces and the U.S. School of Americas. The U.N. Truth Commission also found that the units guilty of the worst atrocities, which conducted the El Mozart massacre, were precisely the ones most closely supervised by American advisors. The American role in this campaign of state terrorism is now hailed by senior U.S. military officers as a model for counterinsurgency in Colombia and elsewhere as the U.S. war on terror spreads its violence across the world. You look at France. When we supposedly liberated some of these European countries after World War II, Italy, Greece, um, Indonesia, Korea, the Philippines at the end of that war. Um, advancing Allied forces found that communist resistance forces have, have gained effective control in many large areas or even entire countries as German and Japanese forces withdrew and surrendered. In Marcel, the CGT, Communist Trade Union, controlled the docks and were critical to trade with the U.S., in the Marshall Plan, the OSS had worked with the U.S. Sicilian Mafia and Corsican gangsters during the war. So after the OSS merged into the new CIA after the war, it used its contacts to restore Corsican gangsters to power in Marcel. 
to break dock strikes in CGT control of the docks. It protected the Corsicans as they set up heroin labs and began shipping heroin to New York, where the American Sicilian Mafia also flourished under CIA protection. So we look at this. Did we really help that nation? We had Ghana. Um, There seemed to be no inspiring national leaders in Africa, but that may be America's fault. In the 50s and 60s, there was a rising star in Ghana, Kwame Nkrumah. He was prime minister under British rule from 1952 to 1960. When Ghana became independent and he became president, he was a socialist, a pan-African and an anti-imperialist. And in 1965, he wrote the book called Neocolonialism, The Last Stage of Imperialism. He was overthrown in a CIA coup in 1966. The CIA denied involvement at the time, but the British press later reported that 40 CIA officers operated out of the U.S. Embassy, distributing among um, the president's secret adversaries um, propaganda. They were fully rewarded. Former CIA officer John Stockwell revealed more about the CIA deceptive role in the coup in his book, In Search of Enemies. In Greece, when British forces landed in Greece in October 1944, they found the country under effective control of the EAM, the leftist partisan group formed by the Greek Communist Party in 1941. After the Italian and German invasion, they welcomed the British forces, but the British refused any accommodation with them and installed a government which included royalists and Nazi collaborators. When the EAM held a huge demonstration in Athens, police opened fire and killed 28 people. The British recruited members of the Nazi-trained security battalions to hunt down and arrest the members of the EAM, who once again took up arms as a resistance movement. In 1947, with the Civil War raging, the bankrupt British asked the U.S. to take over their role in occupied Greece. U.S. role in supporting an incompetent fascist government in Greece was enshrined in the Truman Doctrine, seen by many historians as the beginning of the Cold War. Guatemala. After its first operation to overthrow a foreign government in Iran in 1953, the CIA launched a more elaborate operation to remove the elected liberal government of Jacob Arbenz in Guatemala in 1954. The CIA recruited and trained a small army of mercenaries under Guatemalan exile Castilla Armas to invade Guatemala with 30 unmarked U.S. planes providing air support. U.S. ambassador prepared a list of Guatemalans to be executed, and Armas was installed as president. The reign of terror that followed led to 40 years of civil war, where 200,000 were killed, most of them indigenous people. Haiti. Almost 200 years after the slave rebellion that created the nation of Haiti and defeated Napoleon's armies, the long-suffering people of Haiti finally elected a truly democratic government led by Father Jean Bertinard Artide in 1991. But he was overthrown in a U.S.-backed military coup after eight months in office. The U.S. Defense Intelligence Agency, the DIA, recruited a paramilitary force called F-R-A-P-H, to target and destroy um, the movement in Haiti. The CIA put uh, FRAP's leader, Emmanuel Toto Constant, on its payroll and shipped in weapons from Florida, 
when President Clinton sent a U.S. occupation force to restore uh, Artisite to office in 1994, the uh, frappy members detained by U.S. forces were freed on orders from Washington. So we, as Vladimir Putin put in the media, we have used our influence, our covert ops, our overt ops, to overthrow so many governments and to start revolutions. And there's more, folks. Honduras in 2009 led to severe repression in the death squad murders of political opponents, union organizers, and journalists. At the time of the coup, U.S. officials denied any role and used somatics to avoid cutting off U.S. military aid as required under U.S. law. But when documents were released in the so-called, in the well-known now WikiLeaks cables, it revealed that the U.S. Embassy was the main power broker in managing the aftermath of the coup and forming a government that is now repressing and murdering its people. In Indonesia in 1965, the General Suharto seized effective power from the president on the pretext of combating a failed coup and unleashed mass murder that killed at least half a million people. U.S. diplomats later admitted providing a list of 5,000 Communist Party members to be killed. Political officers said it was a really big help to the army. They probably killed a lot of people, and I probably have a lot of blood on my hands. But that's not all bad. There's a time when you have to strike hard at a decisive moment. We look at Iran in 1953. I mentioned it earlier. It was the most instructive case of a CIA coup that caused endless long-term problems for the United States. We created the Iran of today. You know, the one we're worried about nuclear technology? The CIA and the UK's MI6 overthrew the popular elected government of Mohammed Mosambi. Iran had nationalized its oil industry by a unanimous vote of parliament, ending a BP monopoly that only paid Iran a 16% royalty on its oil. For two years, Iran resisted a British naval blockade and economic sanctions. When Eisenhower took office in 53, the CIA agreed to a British request to intervene. After the initial coup failed and the Shah and his family fled to Italy, the CIA paid millions of dollars to bribe military officers and pay gangsters to unleash violence in the streets of Tehran. So anybody who doubts that our government would use FBI and groups like Antifa or the BLM to stage the January 6th so-called riots are up in the night. You are crazy, people. Our government is one of the most corrupt in existence in the world today. And I say that because it's not how the founders intended it. See, folks, we are supposed to be the government. We just don't do it. This list goes on. Iraq in 1958. The CIA hired a then 22-year-old Iraqi named Saddam Hussein to assassinate the new president. Hussein and his gang botched the job and he fled to Lebanon, wounded in the leg by one of his own companions. The CIA rented him an apartment in Beirut. Uh, 
then moved him to Cairo, where he was paged as an agent of Egyptian intelligence and was a frequent visitor at the U.S. Embassy. Uh, the president of the general of uh, Iraq at that time was then killed um, in a CIA-backed uh, coup in 1963. And same thing happened in Guatemala and Indonesia. The CIA gave the new government a list of at least 4,000 communists to be killed. Um, but once in power, the revolutionary government was no Western puppet. And it nationalized Iraq's oil industry, adopted an Arab nationalist foreign policy, and built the best education and health system in the Arab world. In 1979, Saddam Hussein became president, conducted purges of political opponents, and launched a disastrous war against Iran. The U.S. DIA product and Don, Donald Rumsfeld and other U.S. officials welcomed him as an ally against Iran. Only after Iraq invaded Kuwait and Hussein became more useful as an enemy did the U.S. propaganda brand him as a new Hitler. The U.S. invaded Iraq on false pretense in 2003. The CIA recruited 27 brigades of special police, merging the most brutal of Saddam Hussein's security forces with the Iranian-trade militia to form death squads that murdered tens of thousands of sunny Arab men and boys. We created Hussein. We did it in Korea. We did it in Laos. We did it in Libya. We did it in Mexico and Miramar and Nicaragua. We did it in Pakistan, Saudi Arabia and Turkey and Panama, the Philippines, Syria, Uruguay, Yugoslavia. We have did it in Zaire. America has cultivated a government of rebellion everywhere but the United States. So they implemented their own tactics on January 6th to infiltrate peaceful Trump supporters so they could paint you, the conservative Christian, the people who love family, the people who love God and religion, as terrorists, folks. You're listening to the Disciples of Liberty on the America Out Loud Network. You have a choice to make. Will you participate in your government? Will you share these shows? Will you share this information? And don't take my word on it. Google governments that the United States has overthrown. Look at release documents that Judicial Watch and others have had unclassified from our own federal government, folks. This is something super important. It's imperative that you play a role in protecting freedom for your children and grandchildren. Because, folks, the Democrats in charge of our government today do not believe in liberty or freedom. They believe in slavery. They believe in hatred. They believe in dominating your life and your character. And if you don't like what you hear on my show, find other hosts that you uh, share a passion with, whether it be pro-life or the Second Amendment, and share those shows. Sharing our shows on your Instagram, your Twitter, your Facebook, your Telegraph, your LinkedIn is important to get this message out there because the mainstream media will not share these messages, folks. They just won't do it. 
They are not here to protect liberty. They are here to destroy what was given to us. And if America falls, if America collapses, folks, where will you go? What nation will you flee to to have the United States Constitution and the rights guaranteed by God? Because this nation was created by God and by people who believe that liberty came from God. And if you don't stand up and defend that liberty, who's going to do it for you? The Democrats? I doubt it very much. I'll see you on the flip side. Today, America stands at the crossroads of history. Our actions will determine the fate of our nation. Well, that journey starts here and starts now. We invite you to join us in making the ultimate difference. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters. Turn notifications on and stay in the know. You'll find all that back at AmericaOutloud.com. Liberty and justice for all. Because of COVID-19, the average American worries about their immune health four times a day. That's 112 times per year. To minimize the worries, leading nutritional supplement company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost, an immune supplement that contains 15 full doses of science-backed nutrients like vitamin C, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea, all in a one-a-day pill-free gel pack. It tastes great, is convenient on the go, and it's more natural too, without chemical binders, fillers, and coatings. Supporting a strong and resilient immune system can be simple. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of Immune Super Boost. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Welcome back to the Disciples of Liberty. The biggest question we face as a nation, and even as a world today, is where liberty comes from, folks. The governments throughout the world, including the United States government, want us to believe that it comes from them, because then they can easily take it away from you, right? The founders of America made numerous statements that America, its Constitution, and Bill of Rights originated through God's inspiration. One may ask why this is important. The question determines if we're all equal under divine rule or can be made less under man's rule. I have a book out 
The Origins of Liberty. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it on eBay, and you can find it here on America Out Loud. The book traces liberty back to before America was created, back to the earliest days of the Bible. It puts into perspective how everyone was born free. And with that knowledge, you can see how governments have manipulated us into accepting their rule. We talked about this the first half hour of this show, how our government has brutalized, terrorized, and overthrown governments throughout the world and throughout our short history. The book can't show you everything about liberty's birth, but it will give you a start and hopefully open your minds to further research. Before the founders of our nation could seek separation from England, they had to answer the one simple defining question. Where does freedom originate? Since the beginning of civilized man, there have been those who, because of their situation of birth, education, or charisma, could gather enough followers and then convince others they should lead either by force or coercion. So the question asked by many of the founders was, does freedom exist based on what a forceful leader grants us, or does it reside from within every individual granted by God or nature's creator? In the end, it's simple to see the final decision of our founders. Where the origins of freedom originated is clearly spelled out in the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, which among these are life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That's in our founding documents, folks. January 6th was well within our rights to go and support a legally elected president who was thrown out of office because of illegal and corrupt scheming by the Democratic Party. I investigated fraud for the Trump campaign. I went to multiple swing states, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Las Vegas, to name a couple. And I know that voter fraud happened. Nobody can convince me that it didn't. Our founding fathers risked everything they had to create a new nation, the United States of America. They didn't rebel against England for personal enrichment. They rebelled because they truly believed that the loss of freedom was worse than death. Benjamin Franklin said, quote, Freedom is not a gift bestowed upon us by other men, but a right that belongs to us by the laws of God and nature, unquote. The creation of our government, folks. The second concern the founders had once independence was won was how to establish a government that left control with the people while protecting freedom. A huge debate arose among the representatives of the original 13 colonies. There are three reasons for a central government. To avoid tyranny. To allow more participation in politics to use the states as laboratories for new ideas and programs. As James Madison pointed out in the Federalist No. 10, if factious leaders kindle a flame within their particular states, national leaders can check the spread through the other states. 
So federalism presents a person in control of a state from easily taking control of the federal government. Electing both state and national officials also increase the input of citizens into their government. If a state adopts a disastrous new policy, it would not be a catastrophe for everyone. On the other hand, if a state's new programs work well, other states can adopt their ideas and adjust them to their own needs. The rules of implementation were placed within our Constitution defining the roles of the people, the states, and finally the new federal government. How much power the federal government is granted and how much is to reside within the states is also enumerated, folks. But this is the problem. Our founding fathers did not want one state to control, and they sure did not want the federal government to control everything from Washington, D.C. Article 1, Section 8 clearly defines what powers our federal government has. The Congress shall have the power to lay and collect taxes, duties, impose an excise, to pay the debts and provide for the common defense and general welfare of the United States. But all duties, imposts, and excises shall be uniform throughout the United States. Are our taxes, duties, uniform, folks? Do you pay the same percentage as the wealthy? Does the wealthy pay the same percentages as the middle class? Another one of their things was to borrow money on the credit of the United States to regulate commerce with foreign nations and among the several states and within the Indian tribes, to establish a uniform rule of naturalization and uniform laws on the subject of bankruptcies through the United States. This is a big one, folks, to coin money, regulate the value thereof and of foreign coin, and fix the standards of weights and measures. They no longer coin money. They gave that power away without the people's authority. Now, you can argue that since we've accepted it for so long, we gave our authority to do it. But we haven't, folks. To provide for the punishment of counterfeiting the securities and current coin of the United States. To establish post offices and post roads to promote the progress of science and useful arts by securing for limited time to authors and investors the exclusive right to their respective writings and discoveries, to constitute tribunals inferior to the Supreme Court, to define and punish piracies and felonies committed on the high seas and offenses against the laws of nations, to declare war, grant letters of mark and reprisal, to make rules concerning capture on land and water, to raise and support armies, but no appropriation of money that to use shall be longer term than two years, to provide and maintain a navy, to make rules for government and regulation of the land and naval forces, to provide for calling forth the militia to execute the laws of the Union, suppress insurrections, and repel invasions, to provide for organizing, arming, and disciplining the militia, and for governing such part of them as may be employed in the service of the United States, to provide for calling forth the militia to execute the laws of the Union, suppress insurrections, and repel invasions, 
to provide for organizing, arming, and disciplining the militia. I want you to understand that. They're supposed to arm citizens of this nation because every citizen is a member of the militia, yet we've armed every nation but our own. To exercise exclusive legislation in all cases whatsoever over such district, not exceeding 10 miles square as may, by session the particular states in in acceptance of Congress, become the seat of authority of government over the United States. To make all laws which shall be necessary and proper for carrying into execution the foregoing powers and all other powers vested by this Constitution in the government of the United States or in any department or officer thereof. I suggest you get familiar with the Constitution of the United States, folks. Because anything outside of the listed documents in Section uh, in section 1, Article 8, should not be allowed by a free people or a sovereign state. Thus, the job of our elected officials on the federal level should be easy. They have a roadmap. The problem is two parties that ignore the rules and seek power. We were warned, folks. We were told to keep government simple. James Madison said it will be to little avail to the people that the laws are made by men of their own choice. If the laws be so voluminous that they cannot be read, or so incoherent that they cannot be understood, if they be repealed or revised before they are put to law, or undergo such instances changes that no man who knows what the law is today can guess what it will be tomorrow. Do we have that problem in in America today? Are our legislation so large in proportion that nobody can read them? Daniel Webster said, hold on, my friends, to the Constitution and to the Republic for which it stands. Miracles do not cluster, and what has happened once in 6,000 years may not happen again. Hold on to the Constitution, because if the American Constitution should fail, there will be anarchy through the world. George Washington said, The Constitution is the guide which I will never abandon, folks, but we have abandoned the Constitution. Our government has abandoned the Constitution. What are we doing about it? Are we fighting for liberty and freedom? Are we even daring to take a stand? After January 6th, Do the Trump supporters, 100 million strong, dare to stand up against a corrupt government? Getting our nation back on track is not going to be easy. We have the power, the proper foundation and roadmap to follow. Getting those that seized power to give up that power is going to be difficult. States could play a major role in this. According to the Tenth Amendment to the Constitution, all powers not specifically granted to the federal government by the states in the Constitution are retained by the states and the people. But what states have the courage to stand up against our federal government? What governors, what local legislative branches will stand up and give up the money they get from the federal government? We 
have to do it ourselves. We have to make sure we elect people of courage, of fortitude, people with the strength to tell our government no. We are left a choice. We can either break the chains of the two-party system has placed upon us or accept the loss of freedom and any consequence that may bring. I choose freedom. You can tell because of this show, Disciples of Liberty. I want you to be a disciple of liberty. George Washington said, quote, Government is not reason. It is not eloquence. It is force. Like fire, it is a dangerous servant and a fearful master, unquote. George Washington will never abandon the Constitution. We said that. Will you? Have you? Have you read it recently? Have you read it to your grandchildren? Have you gave it out to neighbors as gifts for Christmas? Samuel Adams once said, If ye love wealth greater than liberty, the tranquility of servitude greater than the animating contest for freedom, go home from us in peace. We seek not your counsel nor your arms. Folks, he's telling government that if they seek anything but liberty more, that they should go home. We brought up what our government has done throughout the world, in Panama, in Syria. We look at what they did in Guatemala, what they did in Brazil, in Chile, in the Congo. We look at what they did in Hawaii, Cuba, Philippines, Puerto Rico, Nicaragua. We have invaded nations in Grenada. Reagan, who I admire, came to office pledging to restore American power in the world after the defeat in Vietnam. And he seized the chance to invade this tiny Caribbean island after militants there rebelled and assassinated their prime minister. The crisis probably could have been resolved peacefully, but officials in Washington were eager for a military victory somewhere in the world. In Panama, Manuel Noriega was on the CIA payroll for more than 30 years. He was such a valuable asset that the United States even tolerated his deep involvement in the drug trade. But he became too defiant for his CIA masters, however. And in 1989, George H.W. Bush, fighting the wimp factor, sent troops in to overthrow him. In Afghanistan, after the 9-11 attacks, the United States hired an Afghan militia, the Northern Alliance, to depose the Taliban regime that we created. Rather than consolidate victory, however, the Bush administration immediately turned its attention to Iraq. Afghanistan's transition from failed state to world center of narco-terrorism is proceeding with alarming speed still today. Iraq. Critics will point to the invasion of Iraq as the episode that tore the United States away from a long tradition of cooperative diplomacy. (laughs) I, I gave you a list. Have we done cooperative diplomacy anywhere in our world? But as President George W. Bush rehearsed his speech announcing the invasion, the image of President McKinley, who launched the regime change era by seizing Hawaii, Cuba, Puerto Rico, and the Philippines, was looking down at him from a painting on the wall. Bush's decision to invade Iraq was no break with history, but a faithful reflection of the same forces that motivated McKinley and many other American presidents. 
I'm not saying this is a Republican or Democrat issue. This is both. Both parties seek to dominate your lives. Both parties are corrupt. Both parties make billions in donations to enslave your children and place your grandchildren in debt, folks. They have installed and instilled a society of hate. They use systematic racism, systemic racism, as a tool to get us separated from each other. Instead of all of us just being Americans and getting along, they want us fighting, and we're falling right into it. TV media is now opinion. It's not news. There's no facts. And I'm not telling you to believe what I just gave you. I'm asking you to stand up and decide for yourself to research your own government, to look at what they've done, to look at all the videos that you can find online of the peaceful protest on January 6th, to look at the infiltration as the uh, capital security invited people in, to look at the buses of Antifa that were bussed in and given weapons and arms by the Democratic Party. To ask yourself why, after the BLM and Antifa burned cities like Minnesota, Portland, Seattle, why they took over and torched police stations, why nobody was investigated for that. Where was the outrage? There was no outrage. Senator Mitt Romney even marched with BLM and knelt with them. So this isn't just a socialist Democrat problem, folks. This is people that want to enslave you, people that love power more than freedom and liberty. Because them being in power, they have all the liberty they want. They just don't care about yours. They wish to strip it away. They wish to enslave you. I've asked this question many times, and you have to ask yourself, the people you support in government, the people you campaigned for, the people you helped elected, remember the promises they made. Remember when they told you they would submit legislation to end the Department of Education, to end the agencies that the federal government has. Where's the legislation, folks? When was the last time your representative proposed a piece of legislation that restored liberty or freedom or ended laws that stripped it away? Look at all the members of Congress that voted for the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act that makes conservative Christians terrorists that makes anybody who collects food terrorist, to make anybody who believes in the Second Amendment or is pro-life terrorist. Look at how many Republicans supported that piece of legislation. Look how many Democrats did. Look at what our government throughout the short history of the United States has done in other nations, arming children, arming terrorist organizations, training militants, Yet, 
a peaceful protest on January 6th as Vladimir Putin did it, and these people are still in prison. They're still reaching out to people on their social media who was there. They're still questioning anybody who had the audacity to support President Trump and to stand up against a stolen election. And we're seeing more and more of these election um, areas like Michigan and Arizona end up not being what the Democratic Party and the mainstream media said and leaning more towards what former President Trump said, that there is issues with this election process we have in the United States. ID should be required, and when you try to do it, they freak out, but they want ID for everything else. They want you to show a vaccination card violating HIPAA rules to get on ships anymore. Now, folks, the advertisers you hear on the America Out Loud network are what keeps shows like this on the air. One of them, Healthy Cell, they believe in the power of the human potential. They believe that you were born with it, powered by the 40 trillion cells that that make you. Um, I use a couple of their products myself, and I have enjoyed these products. Uh, I was introduced to them by... Uh, Malcolm, I use the Immune Super Boost, and I use the Focus, the Brain. That's what helps me do all the research. So folks, support these type of companies. Support the the people that um, don't dictate to us what to say on the air. Because folks, we have a criminal government. They violated U.S. Code, Section 5, Section 8, Many more sections, and our district attorneys and our state district attorneys are doing nothing. Our state governors are doing nothing. So make sure you support and look into Healthy Cell. Uh, Do it as a favor to me. Look for my book, Origins of Liberty, on the America Out Loud Network. Uh, Pick it up at Amazon or eBay. Help make liberty and God go viral. Help it become a bestseller, folks. There's not a lot of profit in writing books. I'm not doing this for the money. I'm doing this for the education purposes. This is a great book. 20-plus years of research went into this book. Um, Some of my greatest mentors did most of the research. Folks, support the other show hosts. Share their shows. Make sure you get out and support the Constitution, not just one topic, people. Remember, freedom isn't free. There's a cost. There's a cost for freedom, and we're selling it out. We're selling out our children. We're selling out our grandchildren. We're selling out the future of this nation, and folks, there'll be nowhere else for you to go. I hate to say it, but I have little hope we can heal this nation. We can't fix this nation in Washington. Washington's too corrupt. And most of the states are too corrupt also. The lobbyists, the people involved in destroying liberty and freedom are so better funded. And people don't stand on the floor of Congress anymore and call them out for being the traitors they are. Until next time, folks, God bless and may freedom reign. Look down,